Hey, I'm Taylor Dorson, and this is The Professional Technical Interviewee. Technical interviews are hard, and every company does them differently. On this show, I interview engineering leaders to see what they look for in technical candidates, and then they perform a real technical interview with me. I hope you enjoy. And, and now, with technical interviews, we have ChatGPT. Mm. You know, oh, I was just using it today. I yeah. was using ChatGPT today because, you know, Python syntax and me, I'm writing a uh, I'm doing some open source work with Bazel and contributing a, uh, an example and uh, a tutorial. You know, I was like, you know, how do I write a, give me an example of a Flask Python server that generates a rent that has a separate Python file that generates a random number, write the unit tests for me. Did all that. Really? Wow. I haven't messed around with it too much. So think about interviews now. You know, you're going to have somebody remote, possibly, pull open ChatGPT, and they're just going to start spewing answers from that. You're going to be coding with them. They're going to go on ChatGPT and say, hey, how to do this? Yeah. You know, and then they're going to retype it in your window line by line. Sure. So... Yeah, it's it's taking tech like uh, I just and, and we're going we were going to talk about this later, but I'm going to go on my rant now. Sure. I don't feel that live coding interviews are worth a nickel. They're actually worth minus money because they'll scare good applicants mm. away from your company, in my opinion. So, in, any t- interview process is stressful. Sure, it's just that even with me. You know, I'm very concerned about what's going on. You know, I've been doing this a long time. I'm like, if admittedly, I'm not interviewing for full-time jobs, but whenever I'm on an initial sales call, it's an interview. The client's either going to accept us as a company or not by myself or another principal architect that's on the phone call. They have to like us. Mm. So I'm kind of used to interviewing, but again, it's, 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 it's intimidating enough. When was the last time that you had four people look over your shoulder while you were writing a for loop? Yeah. Like, have you ever had that? Yeah, no. That's not your job as an engineer. Yeah. Right? And only that, engineers are very creative types. Good, and a lot of good engineers are incredibly creative types. I know so many bad musicians that became software engineers. It's not even funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that's because engineering is interestingly enough, especially software engineering is very creative activity. You can write a function six ways sideways, meaning you can write it this way. You can write it that way. You can write it another way. You can write it another way. And it, they all work. So you're not only taking a person that, isn't expected to work under pressure situation, but now you're taking an artistic personality <laughs> who isn't expected to work under pressure. Now, sure. you know, admittedly, you have a, a production outage, you know, you, you're, you're working under a bit of pressure. You might have a person looking over your shoulder, but that's a different type of pressure because you're not with new people. Social anxiety is a big thing nowadays, right? And a lot mm-hmm. of people have uh, real 
you know, issues with social anxiety, we won't go into why. And uh, if you do, I hope you're, you're getting some help because it's definitely, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely treatable. But often I see that within technical staff, you know, often technical staff have, you know, poor people skills. Often technical staff at times are on the verge of autism or have autism. And you put folks like that under undue strain, you're you're gonna miss some real gems. Sure. You know, and but and it depends on the role that you're hiring for as well, right? And it might be with like for example, I'll use Google. They have a thing called being googly. You've got to have very good communication skills, very good interaction skills, very good soft skills to work at Google. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you know, unless you're like the father of the Linux kernel of these five modules, and then they know that you're not going to interact with folks, but you still, you've got to be Google. And many people get passed over because of that, but that's the culture of that company. Depending on the culture of that company, you may lose really good individuals. Uh, And, and frankly, I never remember the syntax of for loop, but I've been programming them for years. Half the yeah. time, I got to go to Slack Overflow and figure out, okay, how do I do this? Yeah. And to me, it's not about knowing the details. And uh, Einstein said, if it's in a book, why am I going to memorize it? Mm. Nowadays, if it's in on Google or on Stack Overflow or on XYZ, why am I going to memorize that? Mm. That's filling my brain with clutter I don't need personally. So let's get engineers that know how to answer, ask the, the right questions, hmm. know how to maybe interact with business to figure out, no, this is actually what business needs. Our creative can create, you know, in terms of front end, create, like they can take the designer's UX and you have, you know, you, your, um, what do you call it? What does an artist have? Uh, examples of your work. Um, I know there's portfolio. There you go. So you have your portfolio. I'd say if you're in in front end, your portfolio is far more important than if you understand this CSS framework. Hmm. Everybody can learn that. You should have yeah. people that should be able to pass on that knowledge to them. You know, even though you say you're a React shop, you've got so much knowledge internally that they're going to have to learn either through reading documentation mm-hmm. or working with other people they're going to have a ramp up period, right? So why are you expecting them to know your CSS library? Hmm. Other thing, recruiters, I love it. Uh, read the other day, I was just walking through, uh, you know, sometimes I just look through job postings because sometimes those folks are also going to need our help. They were looking for a FinOps person with eight to 10 years of experience. FinOps hasn't been around for eight to 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so, and often there's a disjointing between the recruiter, the job work that's written, and then what happens during the interview. Mm. So, well, yeah, I, I just don't like live coding. And also, you're giving them homework. Like, uh, yeah, we're going to give you a, a take home for overnight. Really? How are you compensating them for that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like deadpan. Like you're expecting a person to do work for your company mm. so that you can screen them better. That's fine. Compensate them. 
Give yeah. them a $200 Amazon gift certificate. You don't have to pay. You don't have to put them on their payroll. You can just say, hey, you've gotten to this point. We're going to give you a gift certificate because we're going to ask you to, you know, do an hour's, hour's worth of work. Is that fair? And allow them to say no. Yeah. They don't want to do that. If they don't want to take their private time, because if they're currently employed, they've got to do it either at night or on the weekend. Don't expect them to take their time for you as an employer. Now, sure. I never ask for people to do work after hours that, you know, because I need to screen them better. That's just, it, it, it was part of the past. It's, yeah, how do we judge software engineers? Well, you know, it's, it's tough. It's hard interviewing people. It's hard interviewing technical people, especially since their bosses may not be as technical as them. Hmm. It's, it's, it's difficult to hire good people. But I would say asking people to do work off hours, this is wrong in, in yeah. a lot of different ways. It's disrespectful. Yeah. So I, at Home Chef, where I work now, we've um, compensated folks, at, I think primarily at the senior and lead level, um, at, at you know pretty decent hourly wages that we pay them up until whatever it is, $600 is, I think, when you have to fill out a, a W-4, I right? I-9. Um, but... It's, it's really interesting. My last job search when I went through and, and company said, oh, here's a take home. I would always ask, do you have an in, like a, a live coding interview option? Because I do this podcast and I've spent a lot of time doing interview prep. I would rather take 30 to 45 minutes and just, okay, let's figure it out. Either I'm going to be a fit, I'm going to pass or I'm not. And then we know. Or, you know, if they won't do that, then they're going to send me something where like, you say it should take one to two hours, but I know if I really want to make it good, it's going to be four hours. Then all of a sudden, like that, I mean, that that's not even really one night. That's probably two different nights I got to work eight, on. Eight hours over. later. Yeah. And, 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 and I'm not, I'm not the fastest worker. You know, I right. do really good work and, and I shouldn't say that. Sometimes some of the things I can do really fast, but a lot of the times when I'm like debugging something or trying to figure out something or make it really yeah. clean, I take a lot of time working on it mm-hmm. to get it looking really good. You know, off, also, why are you doing like eight, 16 hours worth of interviews? You know, I've, I've heard horror stories out of some of the big tech where it's just like four or five interviews. Mm, yeah. Like, are you compensating these people for the six hours that you're taking with them right. when your placement rate is 20%? Yeah. You know, or 10% or 5%. You know, how you're asking these people to jump through so many hoops talk to so many different people mm-hmm. for an hour or two at times you're flying them in at times to meet face to face i see the validity of that you know but hey give them you know a, a, a card to go eat dinner you know not only pay dinner but you know have somebody take them out or send them to a sporting event or do something you yeah. know and it's it's a, it, like you said it's a, it's a very tough problem you know, hiring technical people is is very difficult. Um, you know, getting getting good staff is hard. So, you know, it, we just have to be conscious and empathetic of the people that we're interviewing. Yeah, absolutely. And and if you're not Google, should really consider if you're interviewing like Google, right? You might people might be willing to jump through those hoops if you're going to be paid in the top whatever percentile but if you're just a i don't want to say random company if you're not a brand name company everybody knows you might need to adjust your standards right maybe not even your standards for engineers but your interview process um to find them because 
while I might wait three months to figure out if Google's yay or nay, I'm probably not going to wait three months for so-and-so.com um, to tell me if I'm good enough to work there. Right. So, and as a college dropout, I could, you know, what, what is it like two years ago, the big tech started accepting people that didn't have degrees. Yeah. Like, why are we forcing a degree? And I won't even get on rant on how I believe that university system is failing teaching software engineering correctly. Mm. You know, they, they're, you know, they're working on it, thank gosh, but there's very few colleges that, you know, they come out not going get. Sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like I use get today, you know, and I'm, I, I'm a, I'm not your average engineer, but if you're an engineer, you know, I've, I've taught so many engineers that are medium level how to rebase properly. Mm. And it's just, it's, it's something we use. It's one of our tools that we use almost every day, you know, unless you're in a peripheral shop. So, you know, it's, it's interesting problems. And, and I'll, you know, I like Google as an organization, worked there for a year and a half as, as a contractor, but their hiring process takes too long, in my opinion. Mm. Nowadays, you have to be fast with your hiring process. People will move quickly. Uh, even with the with the layoffs that we have right now, you still have to be fast with the right people. The right people that you're going to get at the price point you want, with the tech skill you want, you're going to miss out unless you're hiring fast process is speedy and often it's like delays in communication and follow-up and you know scheduling these calls and, and then they have to reschedule the calls and out and out and that's what takes so long but still you know don't take two months to hire somebody not, not yeah. take take yeah. two weeks take two weeks don't don't mess around yeah i've seen up to i, I used to do a lot of negotiation coaching um for folks who were um uh going to work for fame companies. I've seen up to six months at, at um, several fame companies yeah. where it literally took six months from the time when they said, okay, we're going to make you an offer for them to actually, um, you know, sign and take that offer. Not because the candidate wanted the extra time because it's just how long it took to get mm -hmm. through it, which is absolutely wild. Yeah. And that's, that's something I'll talk, you know, about as well as negotiation is really important. A lot of folks just don't know how to negotiate mm -hmm. well in this industry. Yeah. They just accept Okay, we're going to give you this range, and like, and thank goodness some states have it where employers have to tell them the the price range, right? Mm -hmm. And thank goodness, you know, as an employer, oh, maybe not great, but is what it is. But that range doesn't mean anything. Sure, if you're the right candidate, ask for you know twenty, thirty grand above the range. Yeah, you know, get yourself in a position because and, and talk to them about. Also, the the path of how you're going to progress. Mm. What when are they going to look at increasing your wage? What does the review process look like? You know, right? Talk about that with them so that you have the right expectations going in. If they're not mm. going to look at you for a year for a wage increase or two years even, then you might want to negotiate for a bit more money initially. Yeah. You know, of course, there's hiring bonuses and full-time work. Uh, there's other options, different bonuses as well. You know, and, and just be open with candidates about that. You know, say, look, this is what happens. You're going to be at 
you know, the upper range, you're going to have to go to a staff three engineer instead of staff mm-hmm. two. And that progression is usually five years. You know, just be honest with, with candidates. The more honest with candidates you are, in my opinion, the better it's, the, the happier they're going to be. They're going to have regret starting with your company. It's kind of like buyer's remorse, right? They're going to have buyer's remorse and excitement and also regret for leaving their last companies. You know, it can be a bunch of emotions, but the more honest and more straightforward you can be and more empathetic you can be with them starting, the, the happier they're going to be. Um, you know, and you've had engineers that have accepted offers and they're supposed to accept in two weeks and they back out, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. the, the, the cost of hiring is very high. Yeah. You know, that's, that's one of the things, like you said, you know, as a recruiter, you have a budget. It takes a lot of work to get good staff. So be just completely forward with them, you know, um, talk about wages, you know, on the first date. You know, talk about the have the hard conversations with your can with your with the folks you're talking to in the interview process up front. Mm-hmm. You know, talk about okay, this is the price range we have, or ask them. Right, that's the typical thing. Giving up the first number, you lose power. Um, okay. so I've read read the Chris Voss books on negotiation. Some probably some of the best books out there. So, yeah, and and. For recruiters, I, I think it's so easy to leave things unsaid and just hope for the best, right? Like that was always my kind of pet peeve in recruiting was have a lot of folks who were on my team where I go, oh, did you ask them this, this, and this? And they said, no. And I was like, well, do you think, are you, like, are you worried about that? And they said, oh, not really. And I said, don't you think they're going to be sitting at home thinking, should I leave this job that I feel comfortable in and happy in for this other one, right? And they're thinking about these things. So we should ask mm-hmm. them those things too, right? Mm-hmm. And if and like you said, right, like what is a like what does a performance raise actually look like, right? Are you gonna review me in six months? Or when if I start in November, does that mean I'm not eligible for this year? So it's all the way, you know, so like you said, like a year and a half or almost two years. Mm-hmm. Like those types of things, if you say them yes, you know, the candidate might go, oh no, like like that might actually be a negative for them. But if you don't say it, then it's just a question mark. And it's almost worse. It probably is worse to have someone start and two months in, they realize that and then leave or, or start to look for other jobs. Then they don't start at all because then you've invested time, you've invested money, you've onboarded them, team gets to know them a little bit, and then they're gone versus, oh, we had this person, we thought they were coming and now they're not, right? At right. least then you can start the interview process right away instead of having like, basically lost a quarter plus just having someone mm-hmm. getting ramped up. Right. Yeah. Like I said, hiring staff and onboarding staff is very expensive. It takes not only time out of the manager's life, but also takes time out of the staff, all the staff around them slow down a bit. Right. In order to bring on, onboard, train the new, new person, you know, some companies have really gotten that down to a science, which is, which is awesome where you, you've got to just really, take them through it really quickly. But to your point, you know, two months later, you're going to start the hiring process again. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, yeah, you're, you're doing something wrong. And often it's caused by expectations mm-hmm. and often it's caused by you lowballing. You know, mm-hmm. you, you've got to, uh, I was talking with Brian Smith on my podcast the other day and we we're talking about compensation. And uh, so I was like, well, what do you think in other forms of compensation? He's like, I don't really believe in, you know, that people are going to stay around because they have free dog grooming. 
interesting. It, it wasn't those words exactly. You know, yeah. that was that was far more colorful for me now. But he's like, you got to pay people good. Mm-hmm. That's you know, that's one of the main drivers that they're going to stay around for a long time. Have a good, fun work environment, and pay them good. Yeah, yeah, and that's and, and you get in wage negotiation for that, and it's it's challenging. You know, a lot of people that aren't in sales have a lot of difficulty with negotiation. Yeah, I will plug um, levels.fyi. I used to work there as an engineer, and that's where I did a bunch of negotiation coaching in the past. But that is, if you're just looking for data on what should I be paid or what are the other people at this company making, it's, it's very helpful. And they do have a negotiation service too. That, that's what I used to help people with. And I can't tell you how many times some people said, I'm happy with what they gave me, but like, why shouldn't I, shouldn't I ask for more if I can? <laughs> and I'm like, absolutely. Right. And then you get an extra 20, 30, you know, hundred grand. And all of a sudden you're like, wow, I'm glad I paid 500 bucks <laughs> to have someone help me do this. Yeah. And it's, it's really important because that's how you grow a career. Hmm. Right. If you keep increasing your wage over time, you're going to move your career forward. You'll, you'll plateau out. You might have to, shift your focus a bit into something else, but you want to come in at a good value level. Not only that, you're going to be treated differently. If you come in at a staff three engineer or, uh, you know, uh, QE two, whatever they call it, right. You're going to be given a different level of work. You're going to be treated differently. You're going to have a different level of responsibilities, which you may or may not enjoy. So look at where you're coming in at, but in terms of, of staff progression and, you know, it's, it's very silly to me that people aren't negotiating and be open to it as an employer. Know it's coming, you know, be aware of the labor laws that they're going to like, if somebody lives in Colorado and they're working remotely uh, for a company that's in New Jersey or wherever, that doesn't have it where you have to say a range that because they're in Colorado, you're technically then posting the job posting in Colorado mm-hmm. and you've got to just say that range. I'm not, a, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a, a lawyer. So don't, don't take my word on that, but I believe that's how it's worked, how it works. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really fair giving a range, right? You know, it, it, it simplifies the, the conversation and makes it a lot easier on both ends. Yeah. What well, at the very least you if you're off by an order of magnitude, right? Like like that's where I think it's the most important, right? Are we talking, uh, you know, we're off by five grand, right? Okay, well, like it's probably worth uh, still talking to them. If it's you're off by fifty, okay, well, it's gonna be a little tougher to to yeah. work this one Swing. out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, and that wastes the candidate's time and wastes your time. And why do why should I be so worried about wasting candidates' time? They're going to badmouth you to their friends. Yeah. And they might come and work for you in six months. If you treat them fairly, sure. you know, they're going to keep, they may be in a year or two years time, they're going to have the level of experience that you need, or you're going to have a new program that they're going to need. They're going to reapply they're, They've already gone through the process and they know what to expect. And they're not, you know, getting turned down for a job. That's, 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 that's a bit crushing, right? Let's be honest. So just treat them fairly. Give them yeah. good feedback too. Give them good feedback why they didn't get the position. Yeah, you know that that you know uh, you, you got to do it gracefully. 
uh, and there's some legality around that as well. But just let them know, hey, this is this, you know, don't send them a, a letter saying, you know, declined. And that's about it. You know, uh, tr- yeah. treat, them, treat them gracefully. Uh, it's it, it, hiring. Like I said, it's very stressful for all parties, very expensive for all parties. Let's just make it make it fun, make it interesting. Don't overkill it. You know, and it, realize you're gonna you're gonna have some losses. You're gonna hire some people, and they just don't work out. Yeah. You know, and you can't. No matter what you do, no matter how many references you get, no matter how long you interview them for, no matter how good of a fit you think they are, no matter you have them talk to thirteen different people, no matter you you have them take home two weeks worth of of homework, people are still gonna get through the cracks that you just don't know. Yeah. You can't see it coming. Well, any other tips or advice for folks who are preparing for technical interviews? Um, or maybe, you know, they're thinking, okay, January's coming up, new job, new year, new me, right? (laughs) Any advice for folks? Right. Uh, In terms of the other side of the table practice, you know, one of the ways that you can gain confidence with interviewing and with anything is, is do it over and over again. So practice with a friend, you know, it's easy to get, you probably could Google, you know, Google's interview questions, right? You could Google Facebook's inter, inter, interview questions. You could do that and then prep for it as well as, like I said, research who you're talking with, hmm. know that person, read to their LinkedIn profile before you talk with them, uh, don't look like schmuck, you know, uh, I hate to say it, but you've got, you know, a limited amount of time to make an impression, you know, put on something that's comfortable, something that looks good, uh, comb your hair, turn your video camera on. Uh, if you're, if you're uh, in person, you know, show up fresh, make sure you're, you know, it's just, it, you're, you're on a date. I hate to say it. Yeah. But just just follow the same practices. Be on time, sure. And you know, be early. Frankly, and if you have to cancel, don't cancel last minute unless your mom's dying. Sure. You know, this uh, one of the tricks I used, which I, I just remembered, is I would have the candidate call me. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Not the other way around. Right when when we weren't doing video calls, I would have the candidate call me on the phone. One, I would see if they're tardy or not. Two, I would see if they forget would f- forget or not. And it just shows initiative. Then. Also, follow up. People don't freaking send just notes after the interview saying, thank you. You know, here's another copy of my resume. You know, here's some example in GitHub of the work I did. It was great talking about hockey with you. Oh, you know, looking forward to hearing back from you. And, what, and you know, also show interest, you know, Say, this is the type of company I'm working for. You folks are solving really interesting problems. I would like to to work with you folks. So what's the next step? Mm-hmm. How I've had so few people do that in my lifetime, just, just stating, I want to work for you. Yeah. What are the next steps? You know, this seems like a really cool place to work. So what are we, what are we doing next? Yeah. I think it's and, huge. 
Yeah. And send the follow-up email. It doesn't have to be the polished letter mailed like we, we did 20 years ago. Send a few lines, you know, follow up, say, hey, great. You know, when would you like me to follow up with you? You said it's sales, man. It's sales and dating. And uh, Taylor, it's just really making that impression and being honest. You know, if you do the best thing you can say in an interview is like, hey, I'm, I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never, never used that before. I've heard really cool things about it. And then you put it back to them. You start getting them to talk about it, mm, start yeah. them training you on it. And, and because you're open to understanding and excited about learning and having them share with, with you, that's going to make them feel good. Like I said, it's, it's a feel good process, which is kind of wonky in itself since we're a bunch of, you know, engineers that are supposed to be all logical. Right. Yeah. And, it ain't about that. People get hired that relate to other people. Totally. Yeah. I think the follow-up is so big. And then, like you said, so rare, right? To just send Mm. an email. And if you don't have the email, that's fine. Ask the recruiter, whoever like your point of contact is, just send them a note afterwards saying, hey, I really enjoyed talking to you. Mention one or two things. Like, I think sometimes people get worried, like, is this too much? Am I overdoing it? Or that, like you said, they're trying to make it perfect and like, like hyper-inspecting every line. Every single person that followed up with me when I was hiring as a, when I was a recruiter building out a sales office, like that was a big plus, even if they're, mm-hmm. maybe I got one follow up that was like, clearly there's a ton of typos and, and issues with that. And maybe I probably shouldn't have interviewed that person in the first place for a sales role where they're going to be writing a lot. But um, other than that, I think every single one, even if I didn't really like love the person on the phone, I was like, oh, at least they followed up, right? Like, right. okay, check. Like, like you, you, at the very least, I'm going to, if you're not a good fit, I'm going to tell you that sooner, right? Like mm-hmm. I think it, it, it gives you a plus, but it also speeds things along where instead of being in like this question mark world, okay, well, I've got something back from this person immediately. Oh, I remember them a little bit more. Okay. Let me make sure I go do my next step. Right. So the worst or one of the worst parts about interviewing is being in that limbo stage all the time. Mm-hmm. At least if you lob it back at them, you go, okay, great. I sent a thank you message. That's, mm-hmm. that's my next step. Now I'm waiting on you. And it's very clear. Yeah. That's where the spot exactly. we're in. Right. And, and no 10 page resumes, sure. yeah. two pages, two to three pages, no matter yeah. how senior you are, no matter how long experience you have, two to three pages, no typos, get it, you know, use Grammarly, use a service to, or, you know, if you're, if you're not a writer at all and are serious about it, you know, maybe have somebody edit your resume for you. Your resume is super important unless you're super senior then I think it's a joke. You know, I like, you know, somebody asked for my resume. I'd be like, yeah, okay. Excuse me. As I download a PDF on my LinkedIn. (laughs) Yeah. You know? So at that end, I don't think a highly polished resume is important. I think personal connections are far more important at a higher level, but don't have a 10 page resume where you're going into detail about every single thing you did for a company and you never edit it. Nobody's going to read past two pages. Yeah. Nobody. And have a description of the type of position and type of person you are. That's two or three sentences. And then have a list of the technical stuff that you are proficient in. So that is very easy for a recruiter and also OCR to pick up, okay, these are the keywords um, that we're looking for, X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. And if you have, 
this is very easy to scan a resume that's like that, that you, that you have the intro, and then you have, okay, cloud skills, AWS, GCP, Azure, operating systems, Linux, programming languages, Java, C++, da, 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 right? It's a table. Yeah. Do that. You know, it's, it just increases simplicity for the hiring manager, for the recruiters, make their life easy. Don't give them 10 pages that they, that you think they're going to wade through and they're not, yeah. they're not going to yeah. do it. I've seen a lot of 10 page resumes in my life. And I'll tell you, I've never got a second page. <laughs> I don't really get past the first page, honestly. <laughs> yeah. As, as a, as a recruiter, you don't get past the first page. Yeah. Right. As uh, somebody that's a hiring manager, you'll read two or three pages, especially skip down, you know, for some reason, the university and all that's at the bottom. I don't know why, yeah. but yeah, you know, quasi matters now anyways, but who knows? But like I said, I'm adamant, just a couple sentences, who you are, what you want, type of position you want, then just a block, not English, you know, not sentences, I've done this, I've done this, make a table, you know, what databases you worked with, what languages you worked with, what cloud, what operating systems, any, any other things that are pertinent, like for you, it'd be CSS libraries, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it would be, you know, JavaScript libraries that are specific for, you know, for me, you know, it might be okay if I'm getting hired for Bazel, you know, what languages have I worked with in Bazel? Mm-hmm. Also, don't, if you really want a position, target the, the current job, what you're working on to what they want. Mm, yeah. Take that wreck and make sure that you're saying in the first, in your current job, they work on. If you don't have that, if you've gone onto something, you're switching back to it. Do a, a summary mm. right after all the blocks that this is the skills and how it applies to the current position, or do a cover letter of that as well. So yeah. really focus and target your jobs towards what they're looking for. It's just like I said, make their lives easy. Like, like, it's just like, just go like the recruiter will be like, oh yeah, that, you know, she has this, 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 and this perfect. All right. Forward it on. If you don't tell them that and you expect the recruiter to dig it out of your resume, forget it. Forget yeah. it. Yeah. You know, do you have any different advice or additional advice for folks? Maybe this is their first job search or, or their second job search. Mm-hmm. Have a LinkedIn profile. Hmm. Uh, network. I wish when I was 30, I understood how much I would rely on my network of people that I know. Mm. Follow people, interact with them on LinkedIn, interact with them on Twitter, learn from them, go to conferences. The people that you want to become, you need to associate yourself with. Mm. And get into that group of people, whether it's volunteering through open source, you get to work with some really cool people that way, or it's, uh, you know, working on your skills. For intro level engineers, it, to me, it's more about wanting to learn mm. than this, they have the skills they have, right? You've, I would rather have somebody that has a burning desire to learn and do cool stuff more than somebody that understands it all. 
I would rather, you know, there's many engineers that just get kind of burnt and they're there for, for, for the nine to five. I would much rather have an engineer that enjoys what they do, wants to, you know, they're eager. Hey, can we actually contribute this to open source? Can, you know, I get like two hours a week to work on open source or, you know, depending on what your company's policy is, maybe a full day to work on this side project or open source. I would rather have that engineer that they, they don't, at times they don't write the best code, mm. you know, we'll unit test the hell out of it. At times they, they miss timelines. They're not the 10 X engineer, right? Whatever the heck that is. They can problem solve. They can troubleshoot and they care about the code and, and they want to do it. Right. They care about what they're doing. Like in our case with their clients, they're passionate about helping out the clients. I'll take somebody that's a little rusty around the edges with Terraform. You can look that stuff up, right? Why are, why are we so concerned about the technical capability rather than they have the earnesty to learn yeah. new stuff? Yeah, I love that. And I, I used to always say they're not hiring you, especially at early career engineers, they're not hiring you for the skills you have day one, right? They're hiring no. you for the skills you'll have six months in, a year mm -hmm. in, right? Um, the potential, right? And, and also, if you are brand new into software, get into open source. Hmm. Go find some open source. Like you can, like I know a gentleman uh, who started, I don't know how old Lucas was. He was like 15 or 16. He started contributing to Kubernetes. He's written his own ticket. You know, he's been consistently working uh, in the Kubernetes industry. He helped port Kubernetes to ARM initially to get it to run on Raspberry Pis. He's the reason that it runs on Raspberry Pis. And he was a kid starting it. And I'm not saying you have to start as 14-year-old coding. What I'm saying is, you know, you're 27, you're new to coding, get onto GitHub, get a GitHub uh, profile, start learning how to use Git, get, a, uh, get your foot in the door with meetings. So most large open source projects have user group meetings. Not no user or their the they'll have like for instance Kubernetes has a SIG node SIG uh, uh, security SIG mm -hmm. windows so those are the special interest groups that look after that block of code that say runs on Windows mm -hmm. so there's a meeting you can attend so not only can you volunteer but you can also meet cool people. You know, you're meeting senior people from Red Hat or uh, Microsoft and Google, et cetera, et cetera. And you get to start, you know, like I said, that's a way to hang out with, with peers that you'd like to be one day. And having open source work, if you're a software engineer, that speaks volumes to me. Yeah. Everything's moving towards, you know, virtually everything's moving towards open source. And... It's, it's code that they can see. They don't even have to ask if you can write code. They can go look at a commit. Yeah. I love it. I, great, Crystal. Thank you so much. Uh, this has been really fun and I think super informative as well. Uh, can you um, tell folks, uh, you mentioned the, the book. We got LionCube. Yeah. Plug everything, please. And then the podcast. So LionCube.com is spelled with a K. So L-I-O-N-K-U-B-E.com. Uh, I just started the FinOps uh, on my podcast, the FinOps show. 
Uh, it's finopshow.com. We're on all the different podcast platforms and YouTube and all that. My book you can find on Manning. It's called Core Kubernetes. So there's a bit LY link to it slash Core Kubernetes. My socials are all Chris Love CNM as in Charlie Nancy Michael. So Chris Love CNM, GitHub and LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, I'm best reachable on LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, if you have any questions, you want to have coffee for you know, 15, 30 minutes, you're new in the industry, want some advice, you know, give me a jangle. I'm always open to having conversations like that. If you need help with Kubernetes or Bazel or FinOps or what have you, also you know, holler and we'll see if we're a good fit. Great. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Taylor. I uh, really appreciate you having me on the podcast today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for watching the technical interview portion of the professional technical interviewee. If you want to tackle this interview question, you can find it at github.com slash professional technical interviewee. New episodes are released on the first four Thursdays of each month. Find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash or on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes. And remember, keep practicing.